What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every week on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hello, my name is Michael O'Fay and I'm joined by my co-host, wife, co-founder, partner in crime, Marsha O'Fay. And every week we discuss the intersection of minimalism and veganism. In addition to articles and recipes over at theminimalistvegan.com. So check it out if you haven't already. In this episode, we build off last week's show about how to transition to a vegan lifestyle. So this is part two of a two-part series. And in this conversation, we get into the nitty-gritty about how to source vegan food when eating out, when you get started, going beyond food for veganism, and how to deal with friends and family when you're first transitioning, because that can be particularly challenging depending on what situation you're in. So, look, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will check in after the conversation to fill in any gaps. Chat to you soon. Alrighty then, so... (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about how to transition to a vegan lifestyle, but this is part two. We recorded part one that we aired last week, so this is just a continuation on from that. Yep. So we didn't want to squeeze in everything into the first one because A, it can be overwhelming and B, it would be a three, four hour episode. Yep. So we just wanted to break it up and give you some breathing space in between to reflect and and think about what we said in the last episode. But we've got quite a few different things to cover on today's list. But before we get into that, Michael, did you want to just quickly recap on what we discussed in the last episode? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So last week, we we got started by talking about the vegan mindset, like what type of expectations you should be setting, how to establish a really strong why uh, around your transition. That's really important. For sure. Uh, And then we talked about the three different approaches to transitioning to a vegan lifestyle based on your personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before jumping into how to get started preparing vegan food at home. Yes. What to look out for for your first couple shops, how to clear out your pantry and fridge, uh, as well as some basic recipes to help you get yeah. started. Of so which that you don't feel overwhelmed absolutely. over the process. Build that, uh, that lineup of meals. Yeah. And then we finished with the dynamic of bal- balancing health and comfort when transitioning and being realistic about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some, some other health considerations, some supplements and how to read labels and things of that nature as well. So uh, this we, we had a whole bunch of links in our show notes for that episode and I'm sure it'll be the same again uh, this for week this one. for today. Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't listened to that episode, we suggest that you pause this one and go in and listen to that one first. But if you have, um, this will just help you dive a little bit deeper and understand what the vegan lifestyle is all about. So first off, we'd like to kick things off with talking about eating out, which is a massive thing. Yes. Um, most of us will eat out at some point and we'd love to share with you some tips on eating out, especially when you first become vegan, mm-hmm. because that can be a very overwhelming thing of being social or even just if you want to get some takeout, knowing where to look and, and what to get. So mm-hmm. a lot of this is obviously through our own experience and how we, what we did in this process so a lot of it will depend on where you are in the world so this is why I guess we will share with you how we've approached it and we've traveled quite a lot over the last few years so 
that as well is a you know we can share what we did when we traveled and experiences in being in remote areas and in cities that have lots of vegan options or being stuck in situations where you're getting hangry but you really want to get something to eat yeah so what to fall back on so do you want to kick off with just i guess where we started and what we wish we knew when we first became vegan yeah look i think the 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 positive thing is that there's more and more vegan eateries becoming available every year which is fantastic right because unfortunately the world hasn't caught up to veganism so it, it means that you're constantly looking out and you're constantly having to do research. Mm-hmm. And the moment where you feel like you don't have to do as much preparation up front is where you know it's the vegan movement's got to a point of accessibility yeah. and mass, which is really exciting. So with anything vegan-related or mindful consumerism, you know, this could be related to sustainability or minimalism, it just invo- involves a little bit more intentionality before you step outside of your house or your hotel or the airport, wherever you are, just to understand what's available in your surroundings. Uh, I think if we go back to the beginning of our journey, I think we were somewhat prepared for that, but we didn't know that it's something that we're always going to have to be researching. Mm. So this next little bit is going to give you some tools and resources that we've learned to really use over the years to help streamline that whole process of research. Yeah. And, and it's become, as you said, it's become easier every year. And even places like, you know, where you grew up, your local club, which is the furthest thing from a (laughs) vegan-friendly place, has a full vegan menu now. So, that's, you know, like... Shout out to the Cornwall Club. The world is really changing. Yeah, look, so where I grew up is equivalent to, like, really suburban area in, uh, you know, any city in the Western world, like, quite suburban, 30 minutes out. 40 minutes out drive from the, the main city, which is quite a, a, a decent distance in Canberra. But um, You the, mean from the, the city from centre? The city, from the city centre, yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's all these, uh, what you call like these these membership clubs that are quite popular in Australia. and So where you and go and watch, you know, uh, f- football matches or any sports. sports. You do betting you uh it's where a lot of people yeah come together to to drink alcohol after work and things like that uh so it's it's very much ingrained in in australian culture which is then associated with a lot of meat consumption right so people are really passionate about eating chicken schnitzels with gravy and uh their ribeye steaks and things like that but then in, in this year, in the last couple of years, you're seeing more and more of these clubs have full vegan menus. And it just completely caught me by surprise because it really is the last place you would think and would you have went vegan one, options. You went to one that's actually local to us here now that's new. Yeah. And you had what? Fish and chips. I had like a, a um, fish that wasn't. No, I had a, a, a vegan schnitzel that was uh, made from okay. tempeh. Yeah. Yeah. And it was quite good. Yeah. It was quite good. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. It just warmed my heart to see that, uh, you know, even these type of membership clubs are recognizing that yeah. there's demand yeah. uh, for vegan food. So. so, that people that do come with their family that aren't uh, vegans can actually comfortably sit down, enjoy themselves and not feel excluded. For sure. And just have like a side salad or some chips yes. that might be vegan. Yes. Um, and actually really enjoy themselves. Yes. So that's, and I think that's where a lot of vegans feel frustrated or worried that they'll be completely excluded from social circles or feel like they're missing out because they can't eat and enjoy themselves 
when they do go out with family and friends. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so shall we get into some of the tools that we use? To, yes, yeah, that would so be very helpful. The, the first one, which is readily available to anyone as a free service, is Google Maps. Yeah. Uh, and you can use this on your computer, on your phone, whatever you have available. Uh, it's up to you whether you want to actually sign into your Google account or not. But we found that in, in some situations, just by typing in vegan restaurants into Google Maps, or um, would automatically, if you have location services turned on, will automatically detect where you are and will start to pick up all of the vegan eateries around you. So, of course, you can turn that on and off depending if you like to be more of a private person. Yes. So that Google's not stalking every move. Absolutely. <laughs> so, if you do turn it off, then you'll just need to adjust the key phase to like vegan cafe enter suburb or yeah. location or yeah. vegan restaurant enter suburb location so um that's great and what you can actually do is you can create lists in google as well so if you're signed in yeah if you're signed in so yeah. um for example i've got a list called vegan eats and you know as soon as i find something that's near me or in a particular suburb i'm traveling to then i will save that into the list Mm. Um, and what Google's basically doing is just trying to get data from all of the businesses on its database and looking for keywords of vegan options available on their menus or anywhere on their website. And then they're feeding that up as a result in the, in the search results there. So this is really good to get started more generally, but it's not going to give you the full picture. Okay. Another resource that we've talked about uh, so many times, times. on this podcast, <laughs> uh, and happy cow if you're listening, we're, we're open to talking about a, uh, a partnership. Um, but we, yeah, happy cow is a paid mobile application, but I believe it's a free web app. And, and if you're listening to this, you're probably aware of happy cow, but if you're not, it's just basically a database of vegan eateries and actually vegan fashion stores or anything related to the plant-based movement. So it doesn't have to be completely vegan. Yes. So you can, um, there's the option of vegetarian or vegan friendly on there. Yeah. Uh, so that will include a lot of places that do include vegan options rather than being fully vegan. But you can also select fully vegan on there as well. Yes. So that you can support those businesses that are fully vegan too. For sure. For sure. Yeah, the great thing about Happy Cows is it has a very active community mm. and it's got a review-based culture. Yeah. So, you know, if you're used to shopping on Amazon, for example, and making your decisions based on reviews and things like that, Happy Cow is going to be a really good solution for you because it encourages people to leave reviews and photos of food uh, just so you can gauge if it's going to be the right type of eatery for you. Yeah. Um, now, Happy Cow, like Google Maps, it depends whether you have location services turned on or off. It's going to pick up your location and it's going to give you search results of things available near you and it's good, or where you're traveling to. Yeah, because it gives you actually how far the place is away from you. Yes. And I think it links up with Google Maps. And so Apple that, Maps, yep. Yeah, so that you can actually click. If you select a particular cafe or restaurant, then you can select it directly from there and it'll take you to the Google Maps or Apple Maps. Yep. Um, and then you can go from there. Yes. All right, so that's Happy Cow. What else can we use to find vegan eateries? So I've got another two, which are more of social media platforms. So we've got Instagram. So we're, well, most people are visual eaters. Um, and so it's a great way to have an understanding and a gauge of what the food looks like. 
before you commit to going somewhere because I know that we get excited by actually seeing pictures of the of the food and that's the same with happy cow as well yes but um, you can search places close to you with the tag vegan or vegan than your area so for mm-hmm. instance for us it would be searching the tag vegan Canberra Mm-hmm. or vegan eats in Canberra mm-hmm. and seeing what comes up there. And that way, if they don't have a website, it's a great way for you to check out their Instagram account, see what they have. They might even share their menu on there as well. Yep. Can I just say that I found this is great for picking up a cafe running a vegan special. Yes. Like that never has vegan food. Yeah. And then for a particular week or particular day, they've got, these vegan burgers available or something and it picks it up in the hashtag. So, yeah, yeah, you you uncover some different things. And Um, you can follow those hashtags as well so that it always pops up in your feed um, in the future as well. The other thing is Facebook. So, you can definitely join a lot of – and this has been really awesome for us. We're part of a couple of vegan Facebook groups in our local area and people – I think the vegan community is a very excited and passionate community. For sure. And people share a lot of what they're finding in supermarkets, in cafes, like anywhere that they go, even if it's not locally, to make you aware that there's something amazing that's, you know, a 30 and an hour a minute drive away from the city. Yes. So you can find places that way. Or if, again, a cafe is not so used to social media or have an online presence sometimes you can stumble across a place that has a few vegan options accidental vegan options on there and that's how we actually came across a really awesome Japanese restaurant that's about a 15 minute drive from where we live and it's quite affordable and it's delicious yeah so we've been back there quite a few times because um of someone posting it in a group on Facebook and they're actually not on like you couldn't find them on Google or on Happy Cow. Yeah, under like and un, under any vegan search term. Yeah. Yep. Um, and obviously Instagram as well. So that's a really great way to also connect with other people. But we'll get onto that in a little bit. Um, and one thing that we found when we're traveling overseas is like we use Happy Cow and Google Maps and all of these other things, but you can get stuck traveling in places that there's actually nothing on those. On those apps and and it's an, an unfamiliar location to you so somewhere like an airport a train station a shopping center uh of sort of like a local suburb with local shops so mm. we have found ourselves in those situations many times where it's like we don't actually know what we can eat so you have to do a little bit of digging around you have to spend a bit of time going from stall to stall or from cafe to cafe asking if they've got anything vegan on their menu but we've found that typically we can rather than wasting too much time we go based on the type of cuisine it is Mm. because more so than not they will have something that they can put together for you that will be vegan friendly so for instance Mexican food is very reliable because you can do your beans with rice and some veggies. Mm. And that's what actually saved us when we were in Seattle, when we were about to jump onto a boat that was going to take us to an island and we were really hungry and we had some time to kill. And all of the places at the little kiosk area where the boat was taking off, there was maybe three or four places Mm. to eat. 
and that was the last place where we asked and it was Mexican and we ended up eating heaps of food and we were really grateful for that little Mexican yeah. store there. Um, other options would be Indian. You just have to be mindful of them using cream, cottage cheese and uh, ghee is another yeah. popular ingredient in Indian cook- cooking. And so if you get like a veggie curry, they can typically, if they're making it from scratch, they can use vegetable oil instead of the ghee to yep. cook it. So that's a, another great option. And obviously with some plain rice as well. Turkish is another one. Mm-hmm. You can have things like stewed beans and falafel. So you can put together like a veggie wrap with some falafel and hummus and that's delicious. I mean, we yeah. make that at home yeah. every now and then as well. Yeah, with that, uh, from experience, like we've had mixed results with the type of um, bread bread that they use. Also falafel, sometimes they can put eggs in them. Sometimes they can put eggs in it and the bread uh, sometimes contains milk. Yeah. Um, and in these situations, you find that, I don't know, because they are quite unique or quite commercial, mm. um, quite often the people serving you may not be sure whether the things are vegan and they want to do right by you. So um, there, there's some times where, you know, you, you may just need to ask to look at the the ingredient list for the bread, for example. Yeah. Um, and that will, you know, give you a peace of mind to know that you can move forward with that option as well. And it's also just getting a gauge if they're looking at you puzzled, mm. especially if, if you don't speak the language or they don't understand you very well in English just repeat yourself so if you ask is it vegan friendly and they're kind of looking at you going i don't even know what that means but yes yes it is yeah you might just want to say oh that means no animal products does it include milk eggs you know any type of dairy or yeah whatever in it so that you can actually just confirm that what they are actually saying is right or yeah as michael said just ask to see the ingredients list on whatever it is. Yes. But for instance, with like Turkish, if the the pita bread is not vegan, you can just get like a falafel salad instead. So there's always options and ways around it. Um, Could I just talk about some cuisines which we found pretty hard Mm. to be vegan? Like, you know, for example, Chinese food, um, Thai food has been, unless it's explicitly vegan, uh, because of the fish sauce that they use in a lot of their cooking. Yeah. And Italian. Yeah. Is, we found really Which difficult. Which is sad because yeah. we love Italian food. Um, but there's just a, a lot of butter and cheese going and on. And Greek as well. Uh, and can Greek, be, yeah. Can be a bit of a struggle. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's just good. Like, again, if we knew this up front, then we'd save a lot of time sort of looking for particular cuisines in those situations. Yeah. And because it can be quite stressful particularly when you're traveling there's a lot of things to think about in your transit and then on top of that if you're hungry yeah and you and, don't have much time and you don't have much time yeah um you've got a 20 minute window, window. Yeah. uh you know you, you need to move quickly and uh we found that those cuisines can be a bit more trustworthy yeah and i mean and then there's always things like you know hot chips to fall back on mm. i mean obviously ask them what oil they use in the cooking process and uh, even just ask sometimes like I've gone to the like we never buy chips to make at home mm. if we do it's just from just normal potatoes and we bake them or fry them yep. ourselves but sometimes I've noticed even in the chips that you buy in the supermarket they might have 
eggs or milk or something mm. in them, like wedges and things like that. Yeah. So it's better to always ask if they're vegan friendly or again if you can see the packet. But and hot a lot chips of chips generally tend to be okay. Yeah, and a lot of chips. Um, I've found people will serve them automatically with aioli or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and and I've been caught out multiple times you know, having to give back the aioli or whatever. Mm. So just to make sure it doesn't go to waste, just maybe ask up front if it comes with any sauces yeah. and if you, if you need to change that too. Yeah. And so typically your tomato sauce and barbecue sauce will be vegan yes. friendly. Yes. Then there's the obvious meal like a salad, but just ask what the if there is a dressing, if it's not like a simple apple cider vinegar and olive oil or like a citrus-based one. Fast food places typically will have a few options. Yep. Um, and then you can ask them if it's vegan friendly or not. And again, they can just read you out the ingredients or you can just have a look yourself. But that's the trap sort of you might have things mm. like honey, milk or even eggs yep. depending on, on the dressing. So just keep that in mind when you're ordering salads. Yep. Oh, and obviously, you know, that it doesn't contain chicken or beef or, or cheese in it as yes. well or eggs. Yeah, so there's... These are the sorts of places that we found to be or the cuisines that we found to be quite vegan friendly, but a lot of them may not actually even know that they have some vegan friendly options on their menu. So it's always good to point that out to them. And the more of us that do that, they might actually start advertising it as a vegan option on their menu so that it's more obvious and that all of their staff don't have to always question themselves or others whether or not that meal is vegan. Yeah. Something else that that I think is important raising is flights and Mm. aeroplanes. And uh, this is actually quite a a positive thing, but, you know, depending on what airline you're you're flying with, uh, in our experience, when you're booking the flights, you're able to select what what type of dietary requirements that you have. Yeah. And if vegan, vegan is usually pretty explicit in the Mm. drop-down menu when you're booking a flight. But sometimes I've noticed it can be like vegetarian without... Do you remember this? Yeah. It's like vegetarian without... Um, dairy. Dairy, I believe it is. Yeah. And and I think this is a really simple thing to overlook when booking flights. Mm. That can cause you a bit of confusion if you, you're not aware of it up front. Because they normally won't have to... Like of those specific type of cuisines, they won't really have any extras on the flight. That's the thing. So that's what you've got to be mindful of and you don't want to be starving on, on a yeah, long haul flight. definitely not. And there's some great perks. Like I, I actually think the the vegan food's been quite mm. good. Yeah. And, and it comes early. Yeah. Like you get special treatment. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um I actually think it's a lot a lot to like about it. But yeah, just keep that in mind. Otherwise and you also could be when you're you know, when you're looking at booking places, even just ask in a f- local Facebook group or search if anyone has flown with a specific airline that you're flying with and see what they're actually getting. Because I've yep. seen some people just post like a sad looking salad yep. as their meal. Like that would not cut it for us. No. So, and if that's the case, if you're going for a more economical option with a really cheap airline, make sure that you just bring in enough food for yourself on yep. that flight to last you until you stuff, yeah. until you get there. Yep. So, um, that's a good way to also gauge and see if, you know, approximately the standard of the quality of the vegan options that you'll be getting. But we've been really lucky. Mm. And the other thing to consider, which I think a lot of people tend to overlook in many situations because mm. 
they don't even realize that it might not be vegan is alcohol. Mm. And we've talked about this before um, in episode 38, which is how to enjoy the holiday season as a vegan. So yeah, alcohol is not always vegan. And there's awesome apps like the Barnivore app that you can pop onto your mobile and just check. I mean, it's not going to have every type of Mm -mm. wine, spirit and beer on there, but at least you'll get an overall idea of the ones to stick to, Mm -hmm. the ones that are generally a global brand of beer, wine and, well, mainly beers and spirits. Yeah. And Michael's had a bit of experience using this app and having his sort of pipeline of of beers that he can... Yeah, I think over time you... Well, look, I think if you drink alcohol before you're vegan, you normally you have some brands that you trust that you Mm. use on a regular basis. So I think the easiest thing is just seeing if those... Uh, same drinks are actually vegan friendly. And if that's the case, you don't really have to change too much about your existing habits. It's just in those situations where you're presented with a different brand and you're not sure. Hmm. Um, it's probably good just to be aware of Barnivore and just have it saved in your bookmark. So you can just do a quick database search to see if it's vegan friendly. Um, so that's the only thing. And again, they don't cover all brands. So if you're going somewhere and you know what's available there maybe do a little bit of research before yep or again if there is a particular drink that you like locally reach out to the brand that makes it directly and ask them if it's vegan yep. um, because again we can't expect bartenders and you know cafe staff and restaurant staff to always know the answer because oh, it's yeah. not it's, it's not, not a very it's, it's not a even, very murky it's not even clear on the labeling for a lot of yeah. these um these drinks so you know and, and really what we're talking about is the fining agents uh specifically and you know any flavors that they're using that may not but that may include animal products or so so it's actually yeah it, it's probably not a fair expectation for uh the people serving you to to know to yeah. know this so it's really on you to do that research up front and yeah just knowing that you are voting with your dollar really with your values with alcohol you may not mm. be realizing um, so if you're supporting the, these brands, which are you know spending millions of dollars a year on these thin, thinning agents, which are derived from the animal industry, that's having a that's having some level of an impact. Yeah, and Michael's written a whole blog post about this, um, and which we'll make sure to to link in the show notes so that you can actually get a better understanding of what he's referring to, but. At the same time, I think it's important to, if you are heading out somewhere and you are pretty confident that they might not have uh, the type of alcohol that might be vegan friendly, just see if you're allowed to bring your own. And once you find like your rotation of wines or spirits or any type of alcohol that you really like, just make sure that you sort of stock up and and find your go-to liquor store that actually does sell that but because again i think it's becoming more popular i mean we don't really shop at liquor stores no we if we were to buy red wine it would be from a local producer that we even had at our wedding in bulk and we bought that in bulk until they actually sold the property yeah um and we stopped buying (laughs) yes um and because we don't really drink alcohol that often yeah you know, 12 bottles will last us a full year. <laughs> yes. 
So yeah, that's something to just keep in mind you know and what? be prepared about. It's not just alcohol as well. I've realized it's 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 non it's just beverages in general. Yeah. Like we've been caught out with kombucha. Mm. Um, you know, having honey in there. We've been, or uh, dairy-based probiotics that they've yes. put in there as well. Um, and then we've also been caught out with chai tea. Yeah. Um, at a cafe. Uh, yeah. Again, with honey. Like it's it's just being mindful of. All your beverages, actually, not yeah, just alcohol. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even think to cover that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that it's, again, it's important to have like your go-tos. Yes. You go to cafe that has the soy milk or the almond milk that you really like and yeah. showing your support to them and spreading that love, you know, sharing it with your other vegan friends and family. So... If you have any questions about any of that, feel free to to send us a message because, again, that can be a very blurry line as to where things start and end. But another thing that I just remembered, also juices, packaged juices oh, can right. sometimes not be vegan. I can't remember what it is. I think it's a particular American brand. It was either a pineapple or orange juice that wasn't vegan friendly. Right. So just always, again... As we mentioned in the previous episodes, get familiar with reading labels and just check over because you assume that it's vegan, like a juice, because it yeah. really should just be mainly the fruit that that's in there. Uh, don't always count on it. So just double check it before you buy it. Yep. So now we have wrapped up the food and the drinks and all of that sort of stuff and I guess now we'd like to move on to explaining and talking about all the other things that aren't food related. Yes. That make up part of veganism. Yes. So, and there's so much more to it than just food. And we don't say this to overwhelm you, but I think it's important to be aware of these things. And when you're making purchasing decisions, just to keep them in mind and also shop smarter. Yep. So, do you want to take us through some of the things that a vegan or non-vegan that's not yeah food. yeah i think and i just wanted to say that like food is food i think is a really important place to start because it's by far the hardest behavior to shift and when you transition most common, yeah it's like most we common eat every day yeah we're yeah. talking about three meals a day um that's a big ask and and so i understand why there's so much attention around eating when yes. it comes to transitioning to veganism but on you know, veganism is really about removing your participation from the exploitation and, and, and slaughter of animals, human or non-human, as much as you can. And unfortunately, as a society, we've found so many creative ways to exploit animals. So it just means that we just need to be aware of a few few other things. And yeah. um, and look, we're really fortunate in our transition that, you know, we watched a movie called Earthlings, that documentary, and it really... From the moment we became vegan, it wasn't just about food. Just mm. because the documentary touched on so many aspects of exploitation. So, if you'd like an all-around view on the exploitation of animals, Earthlings is probably the best documentary that you can watch because a lot of the other ones just f focus on one particular aspect, whether yep. it's food, environment... Agriculture. Agriculture. Yeah. So, Earthlings is really difficult to watch... And it's very graphic, but it's it definitely shines a light on. And it's not just one part of the world. It's actually very good in showing on a global scale yeah. how we're exploiting animals yeah. day in, day out. Yes. 
So, and we'll link to it in the show notes if you want to watch sure. it. So I, I think a, a really common one, you know, after food, if we look at our purchasing habits, it's going to be around clothing and fashion. Mm. And uh, so a vegan approach to, to fashion is trying to eliminate buying or consuming any clothes with that are made from animals, some yeah. part of an animal. So this could include, you know, animal hides, which you'll find that is turned into leather. It could be wool, silk, feathers, you know, yeah. down. Uh, in jackets in, and this is not this clothing we're talking about bedding uh, as well we're talking about furniture so there's, there's quite a quite a bit to consider there in, in, in how we use animal skins and so, or and cars as well cars yeah. yep that's another thing and uh, but luckily there's a growing list of you know ethical brands trying to source uh, vegan friendly materials not only vegan friendly but are more sustainable Mm. Uh, which is really exciting. And can I, before we just move on from that, I just want to touch on the fact that this is where I've actually struggled the most sure. when it comes to supporting ethical brands, especially in the niche of winter clothing. Yep. Um, because if you're looking at any jumper, I've struggled for years to find a beautiful, ethically made, sourced, using organic materials jumper that's warm and that's not made of wool or has wool components in it. It is really, really tricky. Mm. So there's definitely an opportunity in the market to start creating more mm. of these types of materials. Sorry, more of these types of uh, garments. But I, and this is what one of the reasons why I was encouraged to actually start searching and putting together a list of really great brands that we should all be supporting that are doing the right thing. Mm. So we'll link to in the show notes, we've put together an, an awesome, I think we've got now 45 plus yeah. ethical and sustainable fashion brands that we should be all supporting. Started off with 10 yeah. a couple of years ago, yeah. this post, and it's grown to 10 to 25 to 30 to 35 to 45. Yeah. And we've removed brands from this list too. We're constantly updating it. So it just goes to show the <laughs> how this industry has exploded yeah, uh, and how many savvy entrepreneurs are trying to provide these sustainable and ethical solutions in the fashion world. And the reason that we've gone and removed some is because we've maybe found out something that wasn't, we didn't feel quite comfortable. Like we're very strict, me in particular, I'm a very strict consumer. Yep. So if any get anything gets past me, most people will actually trust that we've done, like we've invested a lot of time and effort into this post. Yeah. So, and we've looked at other posts that are out there and none of them actually, they might say ethical, but it will definitely not be vegan. Yeah. Um, so we cover sort of both of those areas in that sense. Not all of the brands that we've covered, I must disclose, are 100% vegan, but we do sort of give a little bit of leeway if majority of their um, products are vegan friendly. Yes. And before we move on to other things, I just wanted to touch on the fact that Michael wrote a blog post about leather and we've also got a post on alternative uh, textiles so we'll link to all of those in the show notes so that you can start to actually see and understand all of the different materials that are you know through technology and innovation that are starting to come out as alternatives to things like leather yeah so but we'll probably do a, a a whole episode on that as well so that we can break that down a little bit more yes um now on the topic of 
brands, I think they're also very creative with, I'm actually blown away by the amount of different materials and the things that they're using to create amazing pieces of clothing or accessories. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of them try and utilize plastic, like recycling plastic and making it into clothing. Now, I know that that's not ideal, but it's still trying to close the the loop on the supply chain. The supply chain and also plastic going into our waters, into landfill and all of that yeah. sort of thing. You've got brands making stuff from tires, old <laughs> tires. Yeah. Um, you've got brands who are making things from leftover materials from their previous releases. Yeah. Uh, and then they're, they're putting, you know, uh, like a, like there's only a certain amount of garments they can make as a result of that. So or it's a limited that edition. plastic yeah. that they've found in oceans. But yeah. there's alternative, like what I mentioned with leather, then you've got things like pineapple leather and mushroom leather that, are just now starting to take charge and even apple leather. Kombucha. Kombucha leather. Yeah. So there's so many different things. But again, that's just to give you a little bit more of a perspective on what's out there, but we'll touch yeah, on that because, again. And, and, and why we're saying that is because when we first became vegan, we, we kind of thought we were screwed with that because we're like, oh, like w- what are our options? Like good Where luck finding even... good quality shoes that aren't made of leather. Yeah, it's like... It's uh, it's still hard actually. It, it is still hard, but yeah. it's but I remember it was pretty overwhelming. Yeah, it was just like food was in comparison it was quite easy. Yeah, because there's much like, more options. Yeah, like where yeah. do we go? Where do we buy it from? Is it going to work? Is it? There were so many more questions. Um, so that's why we're spending a bit of time making you aware of what the alternatives are to give you a bit of confidence. Yeah, to know that. You know, yes, it's going to require a bit of research, but there are solutions out there. Yeah, and not to just fall back. Um, on things that say that they're labeled as vegan but that are actually using harmful chemicals and harmful processes to make those products. Yep. So there are certain plastics that we don't actually want to support because they are very taxing on the environment yeah. and are just unhealthy for us yeah. as well. So those are things to keep in mind and if you know if you've got a handbag that's made of PVC PVC and I do, I must admit, I do because I didn't know about this before. Yeah. Um, that kind of contributes, like you've got to weigh up the options. Yes, the alternative is possibly a leather bag, but again, there are other things that you can be supporting. Yep. You just have to dig a little bit deeper and this is where mindful consumerism comes into play. So another thing that we haven't talked about when it comes to fashion is buying things secondhand or actually keeping things that you currently have that might contain animal product in them and not throwing it out until it's ready to be passed on. Yeah, and this is not just fashion, right? If you look around in with all your possessions and you've got a, a leather couch, you've got a car that's made from leather, you've got you know, you've got a puffy winter jacket made from down, you, you know, you've got all these things in your environment it's yeah it there's going to be a transition period where it's going to be more practical to just hold on to those items because it can be very costly to just pass those things on and then redo your wardrobe and we've actually had this question asked multiple times because people get really stuck they are morally worried about how they're going to feel wearing these products time and time again once they've become vegan but they also don't want to be wasteful so i think a lot of the time it comes down to 
your situation, financial yeah. as well as how you feel about it. Yeah. See, I'm still wearing things that do contain wool. Like I've had jumpers again because I just can't find alternatives as well, but I don't want to be wasteful. So I've got some, a couple of knits that are still made of wool um, and I'm going to keep wearing them until they're no longer wearable. So that's just me personally and I feel okay with that. But there's things like leather shoes. I might have one pair of leather shoes that mm. I haven't been able to replace so again, it's it's a slow transition when you can find a replacement and you can afford to switch it out, do so and donate those items or give it to someone that actually already happily wears those yep. products. So that's just something to keep in mind. But again, it's this whole thing of, well, would you be comfortable buying secondhand if it is made of leather because you're not directly supporting that industry but that comes down to a personal choice. Some people are okay with buying a secondhand leather handbag or shoes or, you know, a down feather jacket to keep warm in winter. Some people aren't because, again, that sends a message, especially if it's for a charity, that those are the types of things that they are going to be asking more for. So, really, there's a bit of a, a blurry not, not line. Not only that, it's like it's a, it's um, a hat and back and forth and... In, in some in comments in the post I wrote recently about shopping secondhand versus buying new mm. and then the ethical considerations uh, because of the, you know, the representation uh, because we're all walking billboards at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, that's true. So, and it's not like people just waiting to catch you out and be like, oh, you're vegan and you're wearing that. Yeah. But it's, it's more so that... Um, and you can you, feel uncomfortable sometimes if you're in an, a vegan circle and you're wearing something that's not vegan. Like, let's be real, it, it does feel a bit uncomfortable. I've done that before where I've gone to a vegan event and I've worn leather shoes and I feel like I might be judged by other people by wearing those leather shoes, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's, I don't know. It, it's I also think it's really powerful to be promoting these alternative ways. Yeah. So when you are, like, for example, like the, I've got a, a puffy winter jacket that, you know, if anybody at first glance would see the quality and think that, oh, of course, that's made from down feathers. And, mm. and you know, uh, that's been questioned before. Yeah. And I've actually been able to turn around and show them the label and, and show them that it's it doesn't contain any animal products in it. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, that's this is possible. Yeah. So, you know, it is a real opportunity to shift perspectives about what's available. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it, again, it just depends where you are and what you're comfortable with. And um, your financial situation. And your financial situation yeah. as well. But don't put too much pressure on yourself. Because when we first transitioned... Marshall was a lot more resourceful. I was the one who put a lot more pressure on myself about it. Mm. I didn't want any. I didn't want to wear any animal products. I don't want to be caught. I don't. You know, obviously, I didn't want to sell my car, but I just didn't feel comfortable with it. But if mm. I was to, in hindsight, I think I would have been a lot easier on myself about that, uh, a little bit more relaxed, um, because there's so many other things you got to think about when trying to become vegan. Yeah. Cool. So I think that, I mean, again, we could talk endlessly about the fashion and we probably will in another episode but another big part that can sometimes be overseen is entertainment yeah and it's actually i'm finding it more and more dominant in my life that i'm seeing year on year people starting to exclude or boycott 
entertainment, even if they're not vegan. Yeah. And not support animal exploitation in the entertainment industry. So, um, and it's interesting and I'm really grateful for people starting to open up their eyes Mm. because a lot of these industries, especially horse racing, are billion-dollar industries globally and they make a lot of money from these horses. But if they get injured or they're not performing as well anymore, their lives just don't matter. They just kill them and move on to the next yeah, animal. It's merely an asset. So, yeah. um, so there's things like I've just covered animal racing. You've got, you know, going to a, you know, sometimes in the city they might have those like baby animals where kids can ride the backs of animals oh, yeah. or horse riding in nature and things Riding like that. an elephant in Thailand, you know, that yeah. type of stuff, yep. And zoos is a is a great example as well and Michael talks about zoos. He's written a blog post about that and it's a really good one. You should go and check it out. Um, uh, circuses, which again is one of those areas that there's a lot of places that are actually banning animal-based circuses around the world and I think a lot of them are starting to shut down or are just removing animals from their um, from their acts, yep. which is also great because it's been a tradition for a really long time to include animal performances in a circus performance. Yep. So if you do still want to see animals, you know, there's plenty of ways that you can consider meeting them, but in their own natural environment. Yes. You know, we're not saying be silly and go out there and look for grizzly bears, like be sensible about it. Mm. But you can, you know, go out in nature, you can go on on hikes and safaris and boat trips as long as you're not disrupting their natural habitat. Yeah. Um, and you and I think it's really beautiful to be able to connect with animals in nature as well yeah, and i think really and i think about it. and i think it's interesting we've gone from you know if you look at indigenous history we've gone from being really comfortable sharing our lands and resources with animals and yeah. understanding everything that like we need to know about them yeah because we like it was a more level playing field mm. but with technological advancements we've become further disconnected from nature to the point where we're really only comfortable most of us are comfortable really viewing animals in a contained environment like a zoo or a circus or something like that, right? Aquarium. Aquarium where, um, you know, you know, we walk out our door if we're confronted with a snake or a bat or a, a deadly insect. It's terrifying. So I think it's, um, it's a really good opportunity to try and reconnect with nature that way as well right? mm. and, and learn about them rather than just um, on Wikipedia on our phones and and books and things like that too. Mm. And I think that we're slowly starting to, I mean, this is a whole other thing when it comes to animal agriculture and also plant agriculture. You know, we're seeing a lot of animals as pests and uh, an issue to growing plant-based foods. And this is something that we're going to touch on later, but also making sure that you can't, veganism isn't a perfect lifestyle and it's not possible to be 100% vegan. So just keep that in mind when you're actually looking at supporting certain industries, you know, even just choosing organic versus conventional because, you know, there's a lot of chemicals and sprays that are being used in conventional growing of produce 
to kill bugs and rodents and anything of that nature so that they can grow their monocrops and all of that sort of stuff. So supporting local farmers, supporting organic farming is a really important way to try and reduce your footprint and reduce the amount of harm that we do to animals. Mm -hmm. So did you want to talk to us a little bit about animal testing, Michael? Yeah, so animal testing and look, we've got a few more points to make. So we're going to um, speed up just a little bit uh but i think with uh with with testing this has become something a little bit more widely known but when you're first transitioning to a vegan lifestyle it is definitely something to look out for but a lot of consumer goods that we consume particularly in the beauty and drug industries um, rely on animal testing and and what i mean by that is they normally breed um, mice rats hamsters rabbits amongst other animals maybe i think monkeys are in there as well and uh, they test the products on them. And, and many of these animals actually die in the testing process, which is really devastating and sad. Because they push them and push them to the breaking point. Yeah, because they're trying to test the, the boundaries of the product. Yeah. Um, which is interesting in, in itself um, because there's always side effects with some of these products. Um, so I, I think brands are getting better uh, finding alternative ways to do this testing um, you know it is a requirement in China for example um, that all the products that they sell need to be tested on animals so look out for products made in China um, but you you just want to be able to do a bit of research up front particularly in cosmetics you know it's becoming clearer and more transparent in their labeling as to which I mean because you know it's part of greenwashing right but brands want to showcase that they're not testing on animals mm. you know because they realize that there's a shift in demand for this so they want to let you know that they're not testing on animals which is making it easier for you as a vegan to vote with your dollar with, with those type of brands but this could be a huge paradigm shift because if if you've been used to using uh particular beauty products all your life up until this point and you've got some brands that you really trust for example and you find out that they are testing on animals then you know it's kind of like fashion you're kind of going to have to start from square one again and find what your brands are and rotations are over a period of time and i just so, want to mention here that as well it can get a little bit blurry because there are some brands for instance that you might be supporting that are owned by a bigger brand yes that do test on animals so again it's voting with your dollar digging a little bit deeper and seeing if it's a mainstream brand that you've used all your life that they don't necessarily test on animals but the company that owns them does then you've got to make a decision whether or not you want to keep supporting that brand because that money is still going somewhere that should you know that doesn't quite sit well with you so yeah. just keep that in mind yes and Absolutely. this is, again, where it's good to support local businesses. Where you can, yeah. And smaller businesses that you can trust that it's not tested on animals and they're made by hand and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Cool. Um, but look, let's, let's shift gears a little bit now. Um, so we've talked about the different ways beyond food that animals are exploited and some things that are going to definitely impact the way you consume moving forward as a new vegan. Yeah, right. and I hope we haven't overwhelmed you. Yes, just take it <laughs> one step at a time. Um, you know, again, like the, the entertainment stuff is pretty easy to boycott. Yeah. Right? 
uh, and, and try to find other forms of entertainment. But I, I think particularly with fashion, beauty, drugs, like cosmetics, all that stuff is, it's, it's going to be a transition process. It's going to be things that you already have that you need to get through. Yeah. But then when your time, you're ready to get new things. Yeah. That's when you need to become more mindful about what to look out for. All right. So don't overwhelm yourself. The next thing is uh, that we want to talk about is how to deal with friends and family uh, when you first transition to a vegan lifestyle. Now, you might have a really supportive family that's really open to change. and uh, Which is and, where and, we've been lucky. Yeah, and, and that's going to be completely fine. But the reality is that in your life, you're likely to be living under the same roof as people that are important to you. You're going to be – or you, you've got a, a close – close connection with a, a group of friends that you see on a regular basis. And if you're the one, only one in that social environment that has become vegan, it's going to, uh, it's just going to be different. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's just going to be different because there's going to be some experiences that you're all used to having together yeah. that are, are based around consuming animal products. You might have that, like Tuesday nights where you all go out to the pub and have a drink and some food or you might on weekends go out for brunch or something together. Yep. Like rituals that you have. Or you have Thanksgiving or you've got an Italian grandma that's used to giving you a particular, you know, some special, your, your most favorite lasagna once a year or someone's trying, you know, your mom's trying to bake you your favorite cake. Like there's so many things that are traditional mm. in your life. The other thing as well is if you're a young mother or father and you're the one that's decided to go vegan, but... You're, the rest of the family is not on board, but you're the one that does all the cooking. Yeah. What happens then? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, does that mean the rest of the family have to opt into veganism? Mm. And, a, and what type of friction can that potentially create? Yes. Right? Or on the flip side, you don't know how to cook. Mm. And your mom or dad cooks for you all the time. Or your older sister cooks for you all the time. What do you expect them to start cooking you vegan food? You know, mm. like, are they going to separate you know traditional meals and my family's done this you know i love jollof or spinach stew Ghanaian cuisine and my sister's separated at the jollof one that's vegan friendly one that's got meat in it like you know there's some different things that you're going to be up against um that you're going to have to change and we found in this transition the first thing is you, i think you as a vegan need to lead by example and step up right you want to cause as least convenience to those that matter to you as possible so if you don't have the skills to cook or prepare meals then that's probably going to be the greatest opportunity for you to make the transition easiest for you to be able to cook for yourself first or eventually be able to make some food that others will enjoy as well Mm. Um, that's obviously the big picture. And I think it's a sit-down conversation, you know, and see if there are a few meals that you can add to your rotation that others are happy to have as well. Yes. So that it makes it a little bit easier on you and them to accept veganism into their life. Yes. But look, we can't lie. This is a really, really tough situation. I mean, you know, like I, I, I don't believe how, like I ate so many eggs. We ate so many eggs. Like, like two cartons. A week. Two two dozen. A week. Lots, yeah. So much. And fried eggs, boiled eggs, poached eggs, you know, in baking. It was eggs in everything. Then we became vegan. And, and the thing is, at the time we were eating eggs, I thought eggs were pretty disgusting. Like, you know, getting eggshells stuck into your yolk and the smell wasn't great. But I loved eating eggs. Now that I'm vegan, 
like the smell of eggs is actually <laughs> makes me quite not like sick it's just like so much more impactful than i thought it would ever be mm. you know or you go into a cafe out with your friends and like the whole cafe smells like bacon mm. you know like it's just things that you didn't think you would be sensitive to you, you all of a sudden triggered. Be- become triggered by yeah. it right um so and we're then- lucky to have each other like we both became vegan at the same time and you know i think it's important to acknowledge that we're the exception to the rule because sure. most people don't have that support yes at the same time from day one yes and most people will actually transition to a vegan lifestyle on their own yes and you know we can't speak from experience but we can totally see how tricky that can be absolutely you know like and just handling raw meat uh you know if you need to cook for other, like there's so many things that can so i think it's just obviously you you can just control what you can control and that means that you know you can opt out of all these animal products and and i think it's just having an upfront conversation to uh ask for support uh not not necessarily asking for people to change the way they consume but just to support the way you consume uh, and it just it might mean that you might need to prepare some things for yourself, which might be strange depending on your personality and what you've been used to, you know, and it's encouraging those around you to, you know, be a little bit more open. And that's really all you can do. You know, some people will be disappointed. Your grandma, like my grandma, your was grandma is going to be disappointed, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> and and because a lot of grandmas that's how they show love for sure is through cooking for you yeah. you know that's and it's how a genuine like they just genuinely don't understand and you know, they don't know what to make for you yeah. like my grandma was very upset when i told but your her grandma that. does make a lot of vegan meals without knowing that she makes vegan meals yeah but it's just like it's just like what would you don't you don't want my cake you don't want my lasagna you i don't mean want, it's easy it's I know, easy sometimes right into to us, just south american backgrounds italian backgrounds like depending where you come from you know culturally Mm. <laughs> this is just so much to process for for those closest to you. Yeah. Um, and they feel sorry for you. Mm. They're they're shocked for themselves, but it's like, what you you can't have this anymore. Like, what are you gonna do? So, um, just be prepared for that and have patience. I yeah. think it's important sometimes because food is such an important part of life, uh, especially in a home environment. I think it's important to have patience for others, and. You can try and even talk to people and see how you can maybe say to them, well, what kind of food would you feel comfortable eating that was vegan and kind of address it in that sense And, and well. look, And just be prepared that like, and look, I've just seen this, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you right now if you're in this situation, but I've seen situations where let's just say there's no family involved, but it's just you and your spouse, boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife. Uh, like us a lot of people listening to our podcast are as well late 20s early 30s in a relationship right so you've gone vegan and your partner's on on board but they're refusing to like they're refusing to be open about your transition like so you're saying like what do you like what you're saying now or what would you be open to eating it's like well i just i just don't want a part of this yeah you know what i mean that can definitely be a huge point of friction 
mm. uh, in a relationship. Again, we're talking about breakfast, lunch, dinner. We're talking about anniversary dinners together. We're talking about traveling together and you're the one reading labels and slowing down the momentum. And, oh, hang on, what alcohol is that? Hang on, what what's that in the airport? And, like, it can disrupt mm. the flow and the, and, the, and the foundation that you've built together. Mm. So we can't talk from experience, but... I think what you really want to be commuting, communicating is a level of openness. And I think if the, the more passionate you are for your spouse to be still have a good time, for them to still keep their traditions and what they're doing without being um, passive-aggressive or just aggressive towards them, which we talked about in a previous episode about your expectations and that vestopia, that anger you might express towards other people. You don't want to lash out at your spouse for not understanding your lifestyle. I think it's going to be really important for you to have empathy and to know that they're on their own journey. I've seen those relationships work really well. Somebody becomes vegan, but um, like Rich Roll and um, Julie. And Julie. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure they've got a podcast on their podcast about this that. Uh, Julie is vegan for decades. Rich wasn't vegan for a long time, but she never judged Rich. She never pushed him yeah. towards veganism. Uh, and this and is where eventually came around. But they had you can they lead still, by example. Yeah, you lead by example. But they raised kids. They did it all. But um, you know, Julie was never judgmental. She was always supportive, and they still maintained their intimacy. They still maintained a good life together. Mm. Eventually, he became vegan. Much, much later mm. on. But there are case studies to show that it can work. Yeah. Um, so make sure that you seek out those case studies. That's what yeah. I'd recommend you do yeah. is if you're, you are mum preparing all the meals in the house for three kids, husband, don't want anything to do with veganism. It's basically five times harder for you to transition to a vegan lifestyle now. Mm. Right. Um, so you need to surround yourself with other mothers in that situation and the case studies of people who have made it through in a positive way yeah, uh, and connect with each other, support each other yeah. through that. Yeah. It's important to find your support network, especially if you don't have it from your immediate friends and family. Yeah. Because that's what's actually going to get you through the tough times. Because yes. you can't seek understanding. I mean, you can um, seek understanding from loved ones, but it's hard for them to completely relate because they're not in your situation. So just make sure, and there's so many places, you know, that you've got Facebook groups, you've got meetup.com, you've got blogs that you can comment on all social medias and as well face-to-face, like you can find if there's uh, cafes that you can, you know, just, just find like-minded people. Um, so I think that's a really important part of keeping yourself motivated and not giving in for the sake of convenience sometimes. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is to just accept your family and friends and their decisions with love because there's no point, as I've learned, to be fiery and to get angry because you know that they're not bad people. Maybe as what Earthling Ed says, I know that you're not a bad person, but your actions might be. Mm. And so, again, you need to come from that compassionate side of it that you're not just compassionate towards animals, you're compassionate to fellow human beings. So just keep that in mind. And everyone, as Michael said before, is on their own journey. And especially if you're transitioning to veganism, you weren't vegan probably a year ago. So you've got to keep that in mind that everyone is different. 
and most people aren't born as vegans. Yeah, and you're going to get you're going to have a bit of conflict. Mm. Expect a bit of conflict. You're going to get passive aggressive comments. You're going to get smart ass comments you, you, from from those closest to you, and you know it's it's going to rile you up. It's going to get under your skin, mm. and uh, because it's different, it's different to what was normal. Yeah, you know what I mean. People like the same things, the same routine. They expect the same food every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, every Easter, and you're saying no to that now. So, yeah. um, just be prepared for that. There's gonna there's gonna be a bit of it, but again, look for the case studies where it's worked out positively, and and it's keep focus on that because I've seen people crumble mm. for, purely from the impact of friends and family. Yeah, I can't handle that anymore. Yeah, you know. So, that's real. Yep. Uh, Marsha, should we bring this home? Yes, I think it's time. <laughs> um, so, look, we've just got some final words of advice for transitioning to a vegan lifestyle. And, and in part two, we've, we've covered quite a lot um, from, you know, how, how to go about eating vegan food when you're, when you're out and about, uh, how to go beyond just food, some other considerations from animal testing to fashion to, to furniture to entertainment. Uh, and then also how to deal with friends and family and some expectations around that. But I, I think with all of this to say, I think when you become vegan, uh, I know this is particularly for me. So I've gone f- like I have gone from a pretty mindless consumer. I am that case study. So when I say mindless, I just I just had a lot of ignorance to what was happening around the world and the impact of my decisions. So I would just eat what I wanted, I'd wear what I wanted, I, would, like, I wouldn't care about organic, I wouldn't care about sustainability, all of these things growing up. You I'd, want what you want. I just wanted what I wanted, I'd just consume, I wanted an easy life, I was happy, that, and that was that. When, when I became vegan, now before we became vegan, we became minimalist. Yeah. And I'd argue that minimalism, um, because we we're, were living with this level of intentionality of removing things that were unnecessary from our lives. We were it, aware. We were aware on a higher level. Correct. It, well, it just gave us more capacity. Yeah. Right? You come from a family and you already just had an awareness of your consumption habits already. Yeah. Right? But for me, it was like minimalism gave me capacity to even think about veganism. Then I became vegan and then all of a sudden I became sensitive to so many other things. Mm. Right. And we've talked about this before, but it started off at veganism. Then it's just like, okay, well, what, what about the fair trade considerations and all of these purchases? And, and, and like, I'm talking about like, you know, fair trade coffee beans, fair trade fashion, fair trade. Like what, where, what part, what role are humans playing in the supply chain? Yeah. Right. You know, become a lot more sensitive just to human rights issues. Mm. Right. From sexism to racism to um, slave, labor. Sla- slave labor, everything. Right, then you become more sensitive to the environment and to the impact of plastic. You become more sensitive to chemicals. Like all of these things come under the same umbrella of mindful consumerism. And what I'd suggest is that when you become vegan and you become further connected to the supply chain, it's really tempting to just go from A to Z straight away. I just think that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. And, you know, even being vegan for five years, minimalist for six years, it's there's still some things that we compromise on and we're willing to compromise on with great pain. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we've got we've talked about this before on sustainability episodes, but like I actually think consuming plastic is not vegan friendly at all. 
if you mm. think about how many animals you're actually indirectly killing as a result in our oceans uh, and in, in wildlife and birds and things like that from consuming plastic. Yet, last week, I bought firm tofu wrapped in plastic. Mm. You've made tofu from scratch before and you've tried multiple times. It's hard, you know? It's mm. just not convenient. Mm. And it's convenience is the very reason why a lot of people don't become vegan in the first place. But then we are vegan. Convenience is why people don't make change at all. Exactly A lot of right. the time in yeah. any way, shape or form. But then yet, you know, we're still making decisions that live in contradiction with our values. So all, all of this to say is that what you said before, there's no such thing as a perfect vegan, mm. right? Uh, you breathe, you walk out your house, you, you're harming some sort of animal right you're stepping on an insect you're driving over insects on your bicycle or your or your car um doesn't mean you're never going to fly on a plane anymore to affect the environment there's so many things that we can't solve today yeah but but you now have a goal of being a mindful consumer but i've seen people struggle by trying to tick too many boxes straight away and it's not sustainable they burn out or they become really guilty or depressed within their own actions yeah so to be a happy vegan i suggest that if you're just starting on this journey just focus on becoming vegan mm. initially mm. just do one thing at a time and if that means having a bit more vegan junk food than what you're comfortable with do so if that means consuming a bit more plastic like you go into a vegan convenience store and everything's wrapped in plastic be comfortable with that initially like and eventually you can start to make more and more decisions, right? You might becoming vegan after being an environmentalist. You know what I mean? So you might, might already have some really good habits as a mindful consumer. And now you're just removing meat, for example. Yeah. But I just wanted to say this, that you can get caught up in your own head and you can block yourself and you can burn out really quickly and revert back if you put too much pressure on yourself as a mindful consumer. Mm. Um, so that's why I wanted to wrap up by saying anything else you wanted to add? No, that's that's it. I think you've wrapped it up nicely. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks for coming along on this journey. I hope you got some things out of it. And uh, who knows, there might be a part three sometime in the future, uh, as there's always things. I mean, there's some things that we, we didn't have time to touch on. And I'm sure if you've got any questions as well, we'll keep that in mind for future episodes. But there's going to be some components of these series that we're going to dive uh, deeper in in the future uh, and really isolate some of these things as well so stay tuned for that and uh, yeah we'll leave it at that sounds good thanks, thanks for tuning in thanks guys see ya bye bye alrighty guys there it is episode 42 of the minimalist vegan podcast how to transition to a vegan lifestyle part 2 you can catch the links to all the resources over on our podcast page, but the specific URL to this show notes is theminimalistvegan.com slash 042. That's theminimalistvegan.com slash 042. And of course, if you want the links from last week's episode, it's just 041. I just wanted to say that as overwhelming as it can be to completely change your behavior and habits about how you consume things and transition to a vegan lifestyle, it's never been easier than today, and tomorrow will never be easier than tomorrow. The movement is growing. It's, you're going to have more options to make this as easy as possible. So just try to stay positive, try to stay open, and I'm sure you're going to have great success. And not only that, the animals and the environment, and in some cases your health, is really going to thank you for making this decision. 
my hope is that veganism since the start of your journey as a mindful consumer. You know, we've still got to watch our excessive amount of consumptions uh, as minimalists. And of course, we've got to consider the sustainability of some of the things that we're, we decide we're voting with our dollar with. So I'm really excited for this. Uh, the fact that you're listening to this show means that there's people out there who care, who care about these details. So thank you. Okay, if you haven't already, would love your support to leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. From my understanding, it helps people find the show uh, and it uh, lets us know that, you know, we're just not speaking into a microphone to each other in a basement. So uh, if you haven't already, would love your support to do so. And while I'll leave it at that this week, here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Chat to you next time. Peace.